Private Nation. Purple and gold family. Stand to your feet. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here Keep a plank or the short tank, traders beware Because we got a whole bunch of body sailors in here Welcome into the Sports Objective We appreciate everyone tuning in whenever and however you're watching or listening Whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or pretty much anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us March Madness is here uh, The first four took place last night in Dayton, Ohio, and as we're here on a Wednesday morning, and right now, very excited to be rejoined by former East Carolina head coach Mac McCarthy. Coach, we appreciate your time. I'm always glad to be on, and especially this time of year, a little March Madness, a little little NASCAR, uh, Augusta on deck. I'm, I'm this is a great time of the year for me. Yes, sir. Great time of year, and um, obviously, you do a lot of ESPN Plus. Analyst work, um, primarily on the women's side uh, and primarily for your Virginia Tech Hokies. But you also had the chance to see some other teams. And we'll certainly talk about the women's game in a moment. But, uh, you know, before we talk about the here and now, I wanted to take a trip down memory lane, if we could, and uh, reflect back on your time at Auburn as well as a head coach at Chattanooga. What are some of your uh, top memories uh, from, from those years, especially that 96-97 team where you made a run to the Sweet 16? Yeah, I've been really lucky, Bubba, to be a part of a lot of good teams. And my second year in coaching, we went to the NCAA back when it was, I think, we were 28 teams, and we were uh, we were Virginia Tech and an independent, and made it into the tournament. Uh, got upset in the first round, to be honest, by Western Michigan, which wasn't a lot of fun. But but getting there was fun. We played at Notre Dame in the first round, and then uh, then Auburn. It took a little while to get going, but once we got it going, went to they went to five straight NCAA's, and the the last team I was there with in '85. We went the year before with Charles Barkley. Charles went to the pros, and uh, we had a really good team coming back, a couple freshman guards that were highly recruited, and um, it took us a while to get going. We finished eighth in the regular season and then uh, caught fire in the SEC tournament, won four games in four days, played at 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, and then played at noon on Sunday against our arch rival Alabama and Wimp Sanderson and, and beat them. And we were on such a roll that we ended up beating Purdue, and then we beat Kansas, I think, the Danny Manning was maybe a freshman that year uh, and then got beat by North Carolina, ironically, in Birmingham in a, in a really close game. With uh, uh, Lebo was on that team. Uh, Kenny Smith was on that team. Uh, Wolf was on that team. They had, a, they had a really good team, although they got beat the next round by uh, Villanova, who went on to win it all that year. And fast forward to your, your time at Chattanooga on the 96-97 team. Um, you know, and really, you know, prior to discussing that team, that your your time at Chattanooga had been very successful. Um, prior to that, um, you'd you'd won several conference championships and regular season titles. Before, and uh, the only time in your what first seven years that you went to the dance was when you did not win the regular season title, but won the yeah. tournament. And and then um, everything really built up to that ninety six ninety seven team that made the Sweet Sixteen run because. Um, you'd been to the NCAA tournament, what, like four times in six years or five years. And obviously um, some seeds, uh, I think between 12th and 15th. Uh, so 
you were facing the likes of Wake Forest with Rodney Rogers and um, and Randolph Childress um, with Jock Vaughn and uh, and then also um, Ostertag Pollard at Kansas, et cetera, with some other teams. Yeah, at, at Connecticut with Ray Allen and uh, uh, the Marshall brothers, or not brothers, but the the uh, the Marshall guys, Danielle and Donnie. And then uh, before that, we ran into Oklahoma. They were the number one seed overall with Stacy King and uh, Mookie Blaylock and Ricky Grace and um, one of the Grant brothers. I don't know if it was Horace or Harvey, but one of them was out there. One of them was at Clemson. But, yeah, we had gotten some bad draws. But like you mentioned – uh, when we went in 96, 97, we had an old team. We had five fifth year guys, um, you know, through junior college or transfers or red shirts or that kind of thing. And uh, because we had been four times in five years, we weren't just happy to make it anymore. And then we got a good draw. We got it. And the, and the thing that was a good draw for us was somebody not having a big center. We had run into Ostertag and Pollard, you mentioned Rodney Rogers. We had run into, uh, was it Travis Knight uh, with Connecticut, uh, Stacy King, obviously with Oklahoma. We had run into all these great centers, and Georgia didn't have a great center. And all of a sudden, we're up 22 to 2, and we hang on to beat uh, Tubby Smith. GG missed a shot at the buzzer that uh, I don't know if it would have sent it in overtime or, or would have won the game. I'm not sure. Um, it's been a, been a little while. Uh, and then we ran into Illinois in the second round, and they were the same thing. Juan Kruger, great coach, uh, you know, had a really good team, but no big guy. Uh, they had really good guards, had a really nice team out of the Big Ten, but uh, we handled them pretty easily. Held them to one field goal in the last uh, seven minutes of the game, went a little zone and uh, mixed things up. And then we got to go back to Birmingham, ironically, again, uh, to play Providence, and they were the worst team we played. But uh, – Pete Gillen had God, Sham, God, and we couldn't stay between God, Sham, God, and the basket. Uh, that was a little bit of a problem. They also had Austin Crozier, who was a lottery pick, and uh, uh, they did have a big center. I think his name was Brown. Uh, can't even remember his first name, but uh, they beat us in a really close game. We missed enough free throws and layups to win the game comfortably. And, of course, they go on the next game to uh, take Arizona into triple overtime, and Arizona ends up winning with Miles Simon and, um, and that group. Yep, and um, yeah, that ninety six ninety seven game against Providence. You know, if we, if we need to have any proof that uh, you know our phones are listening to what we say and you know everything that we Google, uh, <laughs> uh, that came up in my suggestions this morning on YouTube. That Sweet Sixteen matchup that you just mentioned with the Providence Friars, and so uh, so I checked out about five minutes of that and was was showing that to my son um, a little earlier. Yeah, we had a we had a big team. Uh, we didn't have anybody as big as their center, but we had we could go with a big front line. We're six eight, six eight, six eight, and uh, uh, we pounded them pretty good and got a lot of close shots to the basket. And we had one of those nights where the ball just didn't roll in, and we missed enough free throws in the first half that we should have been ahead. And uh, we came back and uh, took the lead in the in, late in the second half, but uh, they pulled away at the end. And uh, it, it was it, if I could coach one game over in my whole career, that was probably that would probably be the one I would pick. So moving on to this year's tournament, uh, obviously you have Alabama, uh, who a lot of folks are really high on and, and rightfully so um, with their body of work. Um, you know, despite some of the things they have going on there that, um, you know, pretty, pretty uh, well documented, uh, won't, won't even go there. But um, and then you, you have Kansas, who once again, 
is uh, very much in the mix after winning it a season ago. Uh, you know, who are some of your uh, favorites to cut down the nets this year? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right about Alabama. They they have a lot of answers to the to the questions that you run into, the obstacles you run into. Uh, they play really good defense. They're long. They're athletic. They're very deep. They can get in foul trouble and still be okay. Um, they, they can shoot the three. They're they're really good in transition. They're great on the offensive glass. And on top of that, uh, much like Syracuse back in the day with Carmelo Anthony, they've got the best player in the country. Brandon Miller, uh, I, I wasn't even sure he was the best freshman in the country, but uh, <laughs> he, has, he has certainly proven me wrong. And uh, I, I don't think there's any question he's the number one draft pick. And he can carry a team, can do everything on the floor at 6'9", and handles it like a guard. And, rebounds like a big guy and shoots the heck out of it. So the only thing that can stop Alabama in my mind is the off the court stuff. And uh, that's going to get more and more scrutiny as, as the tournament goes on. Uh, there are a lot of teams that are, you know, capable Purdue with Zach Eady, uh, you know, that I know they struggled a little bit late. They're probably the most vulnerable number one seed. I really like Kansas. They, they can guard you. They've got good guard play and um, they can, they can shoot the ball too. I don't know whether self being there or not being there will, will be a big factor. Um, yeah. Houston, if Sasser's a hundred percent, they'd be a pretty good bet too, but I just don't know if he's going to be, apparently he is going to play in the first round game. Uh, I might try to sit him, but if he's 100% healthy, you know, who knows? That That's probably the right thing to do, get him back in there. And you saw what they looked like against Memphis in the uh, American Conference Finals. So, uh, uh, you know, they looked a little bit more vulnerable because he's such a guy that can pick you up and carry you offensively and make big baskets at the end. UCLA had an argument about being a one seed. And, um, you know, Duke is playing really good basketball. I think Texas is real danger. And Texas and uh, Houston are on a collision path to see who goes to Houston for the Final Four. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if it doesn't come down to those two, you know, going for one of those spots. But, uh, you know, Marquette and Duke, I mentioned, are in the same region with Purdue. Uh, Mich- I mean, yeah, and Michigan State's in that region, too. Uh, you know, th- there are going to be some great battles. Gonzaga, you know, we usually are talking about them. They're kind of under the radar, but I, I'm not so sure that they, they can't make it out of their region, too. They they're in there with Kansas and uh, UCLA. That's that's probably the toughest region the West is. But uh, uh, I, I still think Kansas, with their experience of last year and that kind of thing, is, is probably one of the favorites. A lot of a lot of potential first round upsets. Charleston is really good, but they didn't get a great draw in San Diego State, who's all also good. Uh, you got VCU and St. Mary's again. VCU is a, a really good team, but. Uh, St. Mary's, uh, a real contrast in styles and St. Mary's has been, been tested and, um, it'll be a, a tough one right there, but, uh, you, we know inevitably there are going to be some, some of those double digit winners in the first round. Yep. A season ago, you had St. Mary's, uh, making that memorable run to the, to the elite eight, um, before they fell to the North Carolina Tar Heels who were making a bit of a Cinderella run there on their own, uh, you know, getting to the championship game before falling to, to Kansas. But um, one of the storylines you mentioned, the Texas Longhorns, um, former Texas coach uh, Shaka Smart and what he's doing at Marquette, um, that's something that uh, is intriguing because they're on opposite sides. I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but you, there's that possibility where you could have a, a Marquette-Texas national championship game. 
isn't it funny how you, how you, you get these uh, storybook kind of matchups and uh, you know, there's, there's always some irony in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the brackets. Uh, you know, some folks think they do it on purpose. Some folks think it just randomly happens, but uh, you know, I, I don't know, but regardless, when you get 68 teams together, there's, there's going to be some uh, conflicts. There's going to be some, some things folks have in common and, and that kind of thing. And uh, um, all we know is it's one of the most fun times of year is about three weeks of uh, absolute joy. You referenced a few minutes ago, what Pat Kelsey's done down at the college of Charleston. We've seen several coaches have success there. Um, perhaps he's going to take it to another level. We shall see. But, um, you know, a lot of that will depend on exactly how long he is in Charleston um, because he's a hot commodity. And, um, you know, you also have a program like FAU that's having a history, history making season um, 31 and three. Yeah. Dusty May's done a great job at uh, Florida Atlantic, uh, you know, and he's been in the SEC at, um, you know, at Florida and, uh, he's been at Louisiana Tech before that and um, really has done a great job. They've been good all year. I think they would have gotten in regardless. And um, you, you mentioned Pat Kelsey. He has a really strange team. Uh, they don't have anybody. I think they maybe two guys, maybe average 10 points a game. But they didn't have any of the top 25 scorers in the CAA. Uh, but he's got about 12 guys that can play. And he's got six or seven or maybe even eight that can score 25-plus in a single game. Um, they play really hard, really aggressively on both ends. They rebound the basketball, and uh, they're, they're going to be a tough matchup. If, if they can win that first game against San Diego State, then they'd play the winner of Virginia Furman. Uh, that's another potential first-round upset, um, not because Virginia is not good, but Virginia keeps the game close. They're going to play the game in the 60s, 50s maybe, and Furman can score a little bit. Bob Ritchie's done a good job there. He's another hot name that people are going to mention, but uh, I think – I think College of Charleston could be playing that second weekend if uh, you know if they can get by that first round with San Diego State against Brian Dutcher, who who replaced Coach Fisher out there after uh, Coach Fisher had been at Michigan before that. Looking at the East region, um, I think it's you know, a lot of teams, um, or at least a few, could come out of there. Um, obviously, Duke's extremely hot. They've won nine in a row, and um, they're very young but talented team has really come together under first year head coach John Shire. Um, I think what something like five out of their top seven are, are freshmen. And then you have, um, you, you already referenced Purdue. Um, Memphis has been very hot under Penny Hardaway. They've won something like 14 out of 17 with their losses coming to number one Houston twice and very competitive games. And then uh, obviously they, they defeated them to earn their way into the field, uh, although they would have made it anyway. And then you had a one point loss to Tulane. So uh, Memphis could do some damage. And then ORU, they're a very intriguing story. They've won 30 games, won 17 straight. And they have, I think at least four guys um, who were significant contributors back um, from that team that uh, made the deep run a couple years ago where they beat Ohio State and Florida. Yeah, and we, and we haven't even talked about uh, USC or Michigan State. And, you know, if you pick guards and coaches, Michigan State could be right there. They've got Tyson Walker, uh, who's a transfer from Northeastern out of the CAA, uh, who's playing great basketball. And, of course, Izzo uh, has done this uh, a few times. So uh, we didn't even mention them. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Marquette and Duke being two of the hottest teams. Memphis has been a hot team. Uh, 
Tennessee was good all year. They lost their point guard, but they're still really talented. They they struggled to score some nights. Uh, a lot of people were picking that against Louisiana as a as a potential upset. But Tennessee guards you well enough to make a run themselves. So uh, yeah, that while Purdue might be the most vulnerable number one seed, that that bracket is pretty competitive. So we, we've mentioned um, twelve seeds in College of Charleston, and also Oral Roberts. Uh, who are some others that that you could see um, potentially being this year's St. Peter's? Obviously, I believe well, they were a 15 seed last year, but um, not so not necessarily a 15. But who are some teams that could be this year's quote Cinderella? You know, I, I was listening to uh, Jeff Goodman this morning on uh, on another show and. And he really thinks that Colgate can upset Texas. You know, uh, Texas obviously in a little bit of state of flux with, uh, you know, Rodney Terry, the interim coach, who's done a really good job, won the won the Big 12 tournament. And uh, I've got him going to the Final Four. But uh, but he was intrigued by that matchup. And, um, you know, not as big of a, uh, you know, sexy pick. Texas A&M and Penn State, Texas A&M, a seven seed. I think they feel like they got disrespected a little bit, finished second in the SEC, went to the – championship game and uh, uh, I think uh, Buzz Williams will play that chip on the shoulder pretty well but Penn State under Micah Shrewsbury has done really well and you've mentioned a couple coaches uh, Shrewsbury is one of the guys being mentioned for Georgetown along with Providence's Ed Cooley and uh, supposedly it's Cooley's job to turn down and you've got and then you know I've got a really big matchup maybe the most interesting matchup in the in the whole thing with the Iona and uh, UConn. UConn's playing good again after playing good early and then struggling a little bit. And uh, they're playing good basketball again. And, of course, Patino, um, you know, mentioned uh, rumored to have already taken the St. John's job. I doubt that has already happened. But, hey, who knows in this day and age. I'm sure if if Chris Beard can get Ole Miss, Rick Patino can probably get any job in the country too. So when it's all said and done, uh, who do you think will cut down the nets in Houston? I, I'm just not going to bet against Alabama. Uh, that, like I said before, they have so many answers to to so many of the questions that you have to answer to to do this. I I really like what they've done, and uh, Nate Oates is is a really good coach coming from Buffalo, and even the high school ranks before that, he's done an incredible job recruiting and coaches them well too. Uh, I. As much as it pains me being an Auburn guy, I think it'll be roll tide roll. Shifting over to the women's side, uh, obviously South Carolina is uh, the thirty-two and zero, uh, and just clearly the favorite, and they're, and they're trying to repeat and win their third title in something like what five or six years under Dawn Staley, and. Um, you know, they, they've been very dominant, um, very much UConn-like. And speaking of UConn, I believe the Huskies are a number two seed. And how weird does it seem to say that they haven't won a national title since 2016? <laughs> yeah, it really is. And you can tell how grumpy R.E.M. is that that's the case. But, uh, but yeah, I, if you take South Carolina versus the field, you probably have a pretty good bet uh, there. There are some intriguing one seeds with Iowa and Indiana and Virginia Tech. And like you mentioned, UConn at a two and Stanford right there, you know, battling for a one seed. Uh, um, You know, there is more parity in the women's game than ever before. But two things make you think, I don't know about that because South Carolina is so dominant, so deep, so good defensively. 
Uh, can they have an off night and get beat? Yeah, they could. Uh, but another thing that would indicate that the, the parity doesn't run very deep is in the last 10 seasons, every number one seed has made it to the second weekend. Not one has got beaten the fir- beaten in the first or second round. And uh, I think they're probably pretty safe again this year. But uh, uh, the, the women's tournament is going to be really intriguing. A lot of SEC, a lot of ACC teams in there with Duke and Carolina and Florida State. We mentioned Virginia Tech, a top seed, Louisville. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really kind of – of uh, loaded Miami's in the tournament again. Uh, they do a good job. Uh, it's it's going to be a really fun tournament. I'm I'm looking forward to being part of it, doing radio for Virginia Tech women going forward. And uh, um, like I mentioned, they played Chattanooga in the in the irony game, and then uh, they would uh, if they win, they would get the winner of South Dakota State uh, against Southern Cal. Obviously, Southern Cal is the bigger name. Lindsey Gottlieb uh, has been to the tournament a number of times when she was at Cal, and then she was at Santa Barbara, coached in the NBA, has got. Southern Cal back to the tournament for the first time in nine years. Uh, but South Dakota State is a, you know, is a story we don't ever even hear about or talk about. They've been Division One for 15 years. They've been to 11 tournaments. Uh, it, it's really incredible what this guy's done. A guy named Aaron Johnston, and he's been there 23 years, but um, they've only been Division One eligible for the last 15 years. And uh, they have not lost since they lost to South Carolina December the 15th. I think they've won 21 in a row. As you mentioned, uh, you're going to be describing the action as you have all season long uh, for the Virginia Tech Hokies, primarily on the TV side. And I think this is what your your fourth broadcast on the radio side. Um, so as you take a look at your Hokies, uh, you know, being being an alum, uh, do you, how deep of a run do you think they they can make? They could get all the way to the Final Four. They've got the two-time ACC Player of the Year, Elizabeth Kitley, who is from just outside of Greensboro. I think Summerfield, North Carolina, maybe is the hometown. Uh, her dad played at uh, Wake Forest, Ralph Kitley. I tried to recruit him at Chattanooga. Obviously, he didn't do a very good job. But uh, but two-time Player of the Year is pretty impressive. She's 6'6". Uh, gives her a lot of advantages, really skilled. And uh, the thing that has put them over the top, they have an Australian point guard named Georgia Amore, who, in, at least in the month of February, where he played as good as any point guard in the country, not named uh, Caitlin Clark. Uh, but, uh, you know, she's been really, really good. And, you know, she's averaging over 15 points a game and is just a dynamic player and can do a little bit of everything. Not real big. She's only about 5'5", five, five, maybe 5'6", five, but uh, but very athletic. And uh, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good – if you want to start a basketball team, start with a point guard and a center, and they've got both of them. And then Kenny Brooks, who, who's been to a million NCAAs, uh, you know, as he was building his resume up through the James Madison days. Of course, the Hokies, um, like you mentioned, the number one seed taking on Chattanooga. So, um, you know, unique matchup there from the standpoint of uh, you having been at Chattanooga all those years. But um, I know you talked about the mocks being an unbelievable story, picked to finish last and going to the dance. Uh, East Carolina picked to finish last by the coaches in the American, um, ended up winning the tournament after finishing third in the regular season. Ken McNeil tying the school record for wins thus far, um, 23-9 and nine for the Pirates, and they have a first-round matchup. They're the 13th seed taking on the Texas Longhorns down in Austin, who are the four, and um, you know they have a lot of size, and that's one of the things that Kim McNeil said she's really worried about in this matchup. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim, uh, they have to overcome the the size thing with a lot of speed and quickness and athleticism. And uh, uh, Kim, what a great job she's done. Uh, you, you guys, uh, we all know how hard it is sometimes to win in basketball at East Carolina on the men's side and the women's side. And uh, she's done an incredible job, got better every year, uh, added some pieces here and there. And they play a unique style of defense, uh, a really aggressive, uh, uh, you know, amoeba type zone it's a it isn't the amoeba zone but it but it changes shapes and they can uh they can take certain players away and um it's a really difficult preparation texas will struggle with some of that but uh you know in the end size uh size does matter down low and uh whether it's rebounding the basketball or getting some easy shots but uh, it could be a really intriguing game and what an upset it would be and Kim McNeil's already uh, set some precedents here that are going to be tough to uh, continue to accomplish, but uh, she's done an incredible job and what a good season. And I'm glad, I'm glad to see Mox, uh, Mox I'm, I'm still thinking about the other game, Pirate Nation excited about this. And as you take a look at the Pirate roster, um, one of the things that really stands out is the key contributions that they've received from Danae McNeil, uh, who's a Clemson transfer, 17 and a half points per game and um first team AAC player and then you have uh, Micah Dennis who uh, was a significant contributor as well from Oklahoma State and then you have a couple who were homegrown one who was in her first season Amaya Joyner from nearby Farmville um just I mean essentially averaged a double double if you round up 10 and a half points 9.7 rebounds yeah yeah yeah, and I, you know, I remember I did one television game a year ago, and uh, and I remember seeing McNeil at practice and thinking, gosh, she, you know, she's really talented and long, and uh, you know, can get out in those passing lanes, built for that zone, but also built to to get up and down the floor and get some easy baskets. And you know, Kim has added some really nice pieces along the way, and uh, uh, you know, that that fit her style of play. And and of course, there's another connection there. She was an assistant for Kenny Brooks at at JMU too. Coach, um, you know, kind of shifting gears back over to the the men's side at East Carolina as we as we wrap up our conversation. Mike Schwartz, first year, sixteen and seventeen, most wins for the program since 2013-2014. And uh, you you had guys who were already in the program like Javon Small and Brandon Johnson really step up. Javon unfortunately went down three or four games, I believe it was, into AAC play. And then you had a guy like Ezra Saar, who was very good early in the year, hit some bumps, um, like you would kind of guess, um, you know, early in AAC play. But then he really got it together and um, played much better the second time around the schedule. And um, and and then in the conference tournament, not only did the Pirates win a game, they gave number one Houston. Um, what all they wanted for what 25 to 30 minutes of that ball game and Ezra Asar had 18 points and 19 rebounds. Yeah, I, I think uh, Coach Schwartz did a really good job in his first year by all accounts. And uh, I, I saw him play early some and, uh, you know, they got off to a pretty good start. But, uh, you know, I think the big thing, to, two, th- two big things to take away from uh, Coach Schwartz and his staff, who was um, a really good bunch of guys, uh, uh, 
first of all, they, they really were competitive almost all the time. And, uh, you know, that bodes well, you know, if we get you a little closer, gets that confidence going and, you know, people are expecting even more of you and you're expecting more of yourself. And I think the fact that they were, you know, competitive more times than they, than not, uh, you know, is it, it kind of bodes well for the future. And the other thing that uh, Coach Schwartz has done is, you know, the people have really taken to him. Uh, you know, I, I hear all the time about how impressive he is and, and how, uh, how they really believe in him and how he really is sincere about, you know, being here and, and wanting to build this program and doing things the right way. And um, I, it, it just strikes me as, uh, you know, as, you know, a, a good situation that, that that many people are talking about him, even though they didn't necessarily have the, the season that they wanted. But uh, people are excited about uh, ECU basketball on both sides of the hallway down there in the, in the practice facility. Yeah, and there's so many unknowns coming into this year, uh, especially on the men's side. And, uh, you know, as you, as you mentioned, um, 16 wins far exceeded what uh, most people outside the program expected because the men were also picked to finish last. I, I want to yeah. say we finished ninth, and, and that's certainly uh, not what Coach and the staff wanted. But uh, I, would, I think they would say it's a pretty solid foundational year overall and um, you could tell the Pirates were playing their best basketball down the stretch despite not having Javon Small and uh, also having Benjamin Bayela beat up and um, you know, be, being really you know short uh, as far as the bench and playing six or seven guys but uh, you had had uh, Iowa State transfer Jaden Walker step up and really do a nice job at point guard and flirt with a couple of triple doubles yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Uh, solid foundation year and um, good reason to be excited. And the way the transfer portal is uh, and the way rosters can change in a hurry, uh, I th- I'd say things are looking up pretty good for, uh, for the Pirates. Really appreciate your time this morning, Coach, and uh, we'd love to have you back on later in the tournament, maybe prior to the Sweet 16 or Final Four. Always fun. Just let me know what you, uh, what you need, guys. Touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like a hurricane.